Hey everyone, welcome to Neighbor Science, the only podcast about political economy and anime. I'm Ryan Salisbury, and uh, today we have many-time guest, Abdul. Hello, hello. Uh, very happy to be here. Very happy to be back in the content mines with you. Hell yeah, uh, dude. Is this Isekai July? Yeah, it is. It's the second episode of Isekai July. We just did Yojo Senki, which is a terrible anime, but a great light novel. Hell so, yeah. That one was fun. There's no need to, like listen to them in order, anything like that. So if you're listening to this one first, that's fine. So today we're talking about one of the older Isekai series that has kind of been memory hold. It has been completely overtaken in in the public conscious by uh, Sword Art Online, which is a vastly inferior series. But today we're talking about Dot Hack Sign. So it's the original uh, Isekai about people getting stuck in a video game. I'm surprised at how good it is. I will say that. Yeah, I like actually didn't expect it to be as good as it is. I remember it being like pretty cool, and Sword Art kind of just really sucks. Other than like, I think season two is is entertaining. So I didn't have like much of an expectation for this, but uh, yeah, it was a lot better than I than I remembered. And like the more I watch episodes over again, the more stuff I notice. Like, there's actually a lot going on, I think. So, just to introduce it, it's the flagship series of Bandai's massive dot hack franchise. I think they produce, like, ten different anime series, like, both OVAs and full series. There was four PS2 games, and I think there were other PlayStation games that came out later. And there were manga, um, probably light novels just a huge franchise which makes sign like really fucking weird when you think about it because <laughs> it's not like a like a fun action show it's like a plotting meditative melancholy character study kind of show which makes it a lot cooler and um i would put it up there with samurai shampoo in terms of like greatest anime soundtracks it's oh the soundtrack is incredible fucking incredible yeah even like i watched this with megan who's not super down on the series uh-huh um but like we both agreed the soundtrack is unbelievably good yeah i've just been listening to it while i work <laughs> yeah like i don't usually bump anime soundtracks but like this will come into like my rotation if i'm like just mm-hmm. playing like a random mix like i almost never care enough to add them to my uh, like streaming service uh-huh but this was uh maybe the first exception in like years yeah it's great. This and the Persona soundtrack, yeah. Oh, I haven't heard that one. I'll have to check it's, it out sometime. It's uh, weird jazz. It's very good. Oh, yeah? Nice. Yeah. So, Sign came out in April 2002, which was three months before the first of their PS2 games. That's the only one I played. D- did you ever play any of the Dot .hack video games? I didn't own, like, I didn't really own a console till like, the oh, 360 okay. generation came out. And I've oh, also wow. famously... <laughs> If if anyone knows me, I hated I hated JRPGs till this year. Gotcha. Um, like the only one until I beat Persona. before. <laughs> yeah, until until FF Seven remake, and then I okay. played Persona Five, and now I'm uh, you know trying to mainline Yakuza. I know it's not an RPG, and um, <sighs> FF Fifteen. But like the only one I beat before was a Final Fantasy Four, which is mm-hmm. a legit masterpiece. Interesting. I've never heard anything about Four. Sky Pirates, very good. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, the only Final Fantasy games I ever played were 9, which was, like, not one of the famously good ones. 
and then Eleven, which same same shit. Uh, you know, not one of the famously good ones. And then I played. Uh, is it fourteen as the online one? Yeah. Like I, I tried getting into that like uh, three months ago <laughs> because I was looking for an MMO to play, and um, like everybody pretty consistently said that that is like the best one to get into if you're looking for something to get into. But uh, then like uh, I don't know, like two days into playing it, I was like, "What the fuck am I doing? I can't. <laughs> I'm not 20 anymore. I can't play a fucking MMO. <laughs> Got a full time job." <laughs> That's I uh, I made the mistake of re-downloading World of Warcraft right before I moved to Edmonton, <laughs> um, which I didn't I didn't really know why I was doing it. I think it was just like a panic response to like leaving my hometown or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but it's such a mistake, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. so hard to commit to to MMOs now. I don't know how people actually do it. Yeah, it's crazy. But I will say, this series, like, what it does so well is, like, take me back to the time I was able to play MMOs. Yes. Um, like, the relationship building in the series is really cool, and, like, I mm-hmm. know it's, like, elevated, but it feels very... It feels like it's a, pretty a real. very... Yeah, a very heightened version of how you, like, meet and get to know people. And, like, I remember my World of Warcraft guild, Snakes on the Zeppelin, shout out, absolutely none of you are listening to this podcast, but, like... <laughs> Uh, you know, like I, I remember, like you know, the very close relationships I had in like my World of Warcraft um, guild, right? Which was just a, a huge amount of fun. Yeah, yeah, it made me miss my uh, the heyday of uh, Lord of the Rings Online. I was the hipster who played Lord of the Rings Online instead of WoW. So, um, and uh, I was in one of the one of the top three guilds on our server, which was pretty cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I was I was thinking about how realistic it is today when I, I was rewatching some of the um, middle episodes and uh, like early and middle, and um, basically like two or three of the Silver Knights were talking about how they were basically in love with Subaru, and I was like, that's realistic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the oh, one girl I, in the I, guild I, has like three guys that are that have a crush on her. <laughs> the OG reply guys actually like yes. really it was. Uh... <laughs> This was pre-Twitter, too. Like, I don't know if you ever played World of Warcraft, but that was... I like, played it, it for a little re- bit, but um, yeah. in uh, Bur- BC. Okay, yeah, I was Burning Crusade uh, slash whatever came afterwards. Was that the mm-hmm. Panda one? Um, I can't even remember at yeah, this point. Yeah, I only played the one expansion, so I don't, I don't really remember much about it. Okay, it yeah. It was fun like when the, I played um, it, though. I was playing with my, old, with my Lord of the Rings guildmates who got bored of Lord oh, of the Rings because yeah. it w- ran out of content. We, like, beat everything and uh, moved on to WoW for a bit. Yeah, yeah, like, I remember playing, like, The Matrix Online, City of Heroes, and I kind of settled oh, on WoW. Oh, City of Heroes kicked ass, dude. <laughs> uh, the character creator is still maybe my favorite. I know people say yeah. this all the time, like, it's not a brave take, but, like, the character creator in City of Heroes is legitimately so the good. best character creator in any game ever made. Yes. I made a Gundam uh, one also, time, like mobile, the oh, original yeah. Gundam. <laughs> it's awesome. And also, just like what a what a great idea for a game, like pre pre Marvel Cinematic Universe. Just uh-huh. like you're not like you know, there's that new Avengers game coming out where it's like, oh, you're playing as one of the five predefined heroes in this like persistent um, online, like you know, um, looter shooter world or whatever, right? Uh-huh. 
And it's like, what a stupid idea compared to a game like City of Heroes, where you're just, like, you know, flying around the city, seeing all these other people on your server, like, having a fucking great time. Yep. Right? Going like, through the sewers. I, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, it was the, it was the like, Wild West of, of being online. Like, that was genuinely the best time, where it's like, you were on forums that no one else knew about playing. Yes. These, like, weird MMOs. There's not... Like, you're not on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, this was really, like, the during the golden age of MMOs. Like, I, I can't... I mean, if, like, Final Fantasy XIV is still the best MMO that's out there, like, I think that really illustrates how far they've fallen, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, like, and, and I, WoW is re-releasing its original content, which is, again, like, damn. <laughs> incredibly stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, like, um, I remember, like, uh, when Twitter first started, like, uh, PvP online, like, now we're going into real, like, you know, being on the internet hours, um, the, like, webcomic about video games, like, Scott, um, Kurtz, I think is his name, the guy who did, had to, like, write, like, an extensive thousand letter, uh, thousand word, like, post on his blog of, like, what Twitter is and how it worked. (laughs) <laughs> um, which is so funny, like, because this was at the same time I was playing WoW, and at the same time I, you know, I was frequenting, like, the PvP forums and stuff like that. It's just so funny to, like, conceive of, like, how the internet has, like, consolidated somehow, like, it's gotten yeah. smaller. You yeah, know what I mean? it has, yeah. Alright, so, let's see, the game, uh, yeah, the first game came out in June 2002, um, so this is a pretty old show, almost 20 years old now. Um, the first the the video game was was pretty good. It unfortunately was not an MMO. I think that would have made it like way cooler, but um, would have been probably too advanced for the technology at the time with like the right. sorts of things they were doing with the game, like in the show. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. So weirdly, the only like real connection that sign has to the rest of the franchise is like an OVA episode that was that's like at the end where it introduces the characters from the games who look basically like the characters from sign with different colors <laughs> um I mean it reads if it's an MMO <laughs> yeah that's true that's true um yeah so can't fault them for that so just a little bit about the production uh the show was created by B train like B-E-E train um which is a studio known for making like uh, uh, shows with Yuri characters, like like sexy women with guns who are lesbians, um, and that includes Dot Hack. Actually, since uh, Sukasa and Subaru form a romantic relationship in and after this show, um, and the studio also did uh, what was really popular at the time, Noir. Um, that show was like all over New Type magazine. Uh, around the time it came out, which I think was also around 2002. Um, and uh, its spiritual successors, Mad Lax and El Cazador de la Bruja, uh, which were all sexy girls with guns in gay relationships. Um, I'm looking at the poster for Noir now. Yep, that, that makes sense. It reads. Yeah. Do, you, do you recognize it at all? No, I don't. Like, okay. this is... That I... was, like, one of the first series that was coming out when I started, like, getting really into anime. Um, okay. Yeah, and uh, Blockbuster started getting New Type magazine, so that that that's where I got it. Um, yeah, this it was, on was the- like my my era of watching um, 
Full Metal Alchemist and stuff like that. Like that's right where on. I was yeah. at in this time. Not to, I wasn't deep in the world, although <laughs> um, now I'm getting to it. Actually, like I, uh, someone who's famously rejected anime, I'm starting to really love anime now. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna try and get into the that trilogy, Nora and Mad Lax and stuff. It seems like it oh, could be cool, yeah. um, especially since uh, Una and I were talking about uh, how. They were saying that weebs complain about pacing and you should never trust their opinion on that. And uh, they looked up one of the reviews for Noir and the, the first one of the first things they said was uh, they were complaining about the pacing. So they were like, oh, this show's probably good then. <laughs> yeah, weebs will never be happy, I think, is just the overall thing of this is like weebs are... I uh, like for the most part extremely unhealthy about their like uh, like proclivities in anime. <laughs> yes, and, and we'll um, get into that later uh, when we oh, look yeah. at a review. So the screenwriter for Dot Hack Sign uh, Kazunori Ito also wrote the screenplays for uh, Dirty Pair, which is a famous '80s uh, movie. Also, Sexy Girls with Guns, um, the Pat Labor movies, which I've seen, which are one amazing. Of them. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, very good. And uh, the original Ghost in the Shell, like the fucking movie. Oh hell yeah! Um, yeah, so like really uh, powerful screenwriter uh, for this. And then uh, the music, as we already mentioned, is insanely good, and it's by uh, Yuki Kajiura, who uh, worked on a-, a lot of B Train shows, including those ones that I mentioned before, as well as uh, Gundam Seed, uh, which is not a good Gundam show, but. It's Gundam, so that's important. Uh, as well as uh, Sword Art Online and uh, Fate Zero. And podcast favorite, Puella Magi Madoka Magica. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so, a lot of credits uh, for her. Um, so, uh, let's get into the show discussion. Um, I guess let, let's start with your overall impression of the show. Uh, so... A couple of things about this show. Um, the main character's name is Sukasa, which is uh-huh. fine. Uh, but whenever, you know, they started talking, um, I couldn't get Sukasa Mikasa out of my head. <laughs> um, and this was a really big issue with me walk- watching the show. I would argue the biggest issue. Um, <laughs> because, and I watched a, uh, I thought it was on Crunchyroll. It was not. It turned out it was on Funimation, which I wasn't going to give 10 bucks to. Right. Um, so I ended up uh, torrenting the entire series, uh, and <clears throat> it, it had like janky ass fan subs for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I thought it was a fan dub at first because it was just it's extremely weird. It's like very stilted, um, and it gets better as the show goes on. But you know, every time this is, what's the name of the guard again? Um, Silver Knight. Yeah, Silver Knight was like you know Sukasa. I just I couldn't stop. Like it was it was a big problem watching the show. But I, I mean, I once you start to uh, guys who play MMOs and like RP in them uh, talk like that, like that, just overly like stilted, like you said. <laughs> oh yeah, if you've ever seen like the um, if you've ever seen the like uh, or ever been on the World of Warcraft RP servers or whatever, uh-huh. I don't know if they're still a thing. I'm sure they are. Um, it was exactly like that where people yeah. would get it's like really that guy mad. from role models. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. So I'm going to um, say the voice acting is actually good. <laughs> yeah, it, it does match. And like, I mean, Tsukasa's voice actor, not bad once you get used to it and stuff like that. Uh, uh-huh. Silver Knight was really hard to, to escape, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. He's, uh, his voice Sora actor is a little weird, too. 
Oh yeah, but like uh, Mimiru and Sukasa, I think both did a really good job, and Subaru mm-hmm. too, actually. Um, but yeah. yeah, like I was, I was surprised at how much I liked the show. Like after the first episode, I was like, Ryan, what have you gotten me into? Um, <laughs> and then by the time I, because I also watched this out of order, but like by the time I got to, you know, um, about halfway through the series, completely out of order, I was like, I, I really like this. Like I don't know why it is, but this is a really, like. You know, uh, suspicious, not suspiciously, but like, um, what's the word for it? Like, unexpectedly, uh, unexpectedly, yeah, unexpectedly deep show and like interesting show, yeah. um, completely out of left field. Cause that first episode set me up for a lot of things I thought I wouldn't like. And then I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I felt the same way. I will say it, it deserves to be the first thing that comes to mind when, when we're talking about video game isekai over sword art online that i'm going to defend that take forever now and i i think like a lot of the characters seem seem to have really sophisticated nuanced relationships with each other that extend like way beyond the story of the series uh which is cool and and that's on top of like because it's this huge franchise it has like really really deep lore you could like just explore forever and uh by the time you get to the end you realize like it has a really serious and emotional story hiding just below the like fantasy veneer which you know if you are expecting like a lot of action uh you're gonna be disappointed but if if you get into it and you're like oh maybe this will be a cool kind of like character development driven story it's great and there's like i i think some like genuinely devastating moments in the show and and it it does like by the end make me want to see like what else happens to the these characters I, I'm about three episodes from the end now. Uh-huh. Um, like, I think 25 was my last one. It's one of the shows I'm actually going to finish. Um, nice. Because I pick yeah. up a lot and I don't... I rarely, if ever, finish them. Um, uh-huh. And this is definitely one where I'm like, I actually do want to see where it goes and stuff like that. Because it is... And the premise is so good, right? Like, yeah. Like, the premise of it, like, the breakdown of, like, uh, you know, MMOs. And to do this at the time it came out, too, would have been, I think an extremely unexpected um, way to like approach like MMO subject matter for a series, especially something that's like a glorified ad for the video games. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the craziest thing is like, you know that it's an ad for the games because it came out right before it. That's like the, the purpose of anime basically is to like advertise whatever other media properties they're trying to sell you, but it's still really good. <laughs> so let's, uh, Let's talk about some of the episode-specific stuff. Like, I want to go over, like, all my notes for episode one, because when I rewatched it, I was like, wow, there's there's actually, like, a lot more going on even that I remember from watching it, like, uh, two weeks ago. So, like, the first episode, like, the first moment, Tsukasa, like, falls from somewhere into a, a dungeon, and he awakens, he's covered in some, like, sticky substance. So he, like, comes to his senses and... Uh, Mimiru, uh, one of the main characters, comes across uh, Sukasa and asks if he's okay, and he just doesn't answer her at all and pulls out like an ocarina and and warps out. And then we see Silver Knight, who's like the police sergeant, like volunteer police sergeant guy, basically. Like neighborhood watch of the MMO. Yes. So he finds Sukasa sitting alone and asks if he was seen, uh, and sorry, says he was seen with a, an illegally edited character. Uh, who's Maka, uh, who will come up a lot. And Tsukasa just, like, warps away again. Just like, fuck you. 
Uh, fuck you, pig. <laughs> <laughs> and then arrives in this like gate area. I can't, I don't know. I don't know the names of the areas very well, except for Mac Anu. That's the only one that I know. I think it's Carmina Gatalika, but uh, yeah, it's hard to keep track of all the places. But anyway, Mimiru runs into him again and starts talking to him. And um, there's like this visual symbolism that I didn't notice the first time. Tsukasa has like this bug that's crawling around on him. It was crawling around on him when Silver Knight walked up to him as well. And um, it's still on him when Mimiru talks to him. And uh, he says, you're a pest. And you can't really tell if he's talking to Mimiru or the bug. But I think that's like the point, which is interesting. It kind of like characterizes their early relationship. Um, and they right. grow into like being really close friends later. So she asks if it's like a good idea to mess with the Crimson Knights. And he says, it doesn't matter as, as soon as I log out. Like, I can just log off. Who cares? Basically. Um, and then a minute later, he tries to log out and uh, isn't able to. So we see him, like, doing some, like, quest kind of stuff. Like, he's, he's just playing the game, like, montage style. And um, then he runs into Bear, uh, who's one of the other main characters, who offers to help him out with this quest that he's comically failing at. And uh, Tsukasa just warps out again. This this is what he does for like the whole first episode. He just runs away from people. And it's it's great because like immediately they set up that this is an anime um, about the dangers of not logging off. Yeah, uh, like there's so much in this that is just there's so many screenshots you can take from this and just you know immediately have reaction images for you know people which I have been doing on Twitter.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. It's so good. It's so good because what was I'm trying to remember the thing I sent you um, earlier today, which was probably my favorite line in the whole series. Not for like reasons of story, but for reasons of um, of oh yeah, I don't think posting anything would do do much good for our cause. To yes. which the reply is, then what chance do we have? <laughs> um, which is yeah, that's this this really did predict Twitter. Uh, Twitter yeah. <laughs> so. After Sukasa warps out, BT finds Bear and, and chides him for leaving her and says that he's not a gentleman. And he says, I am I am gentle, but not a pushover, which I didn't realize she says later in the series to someone else. I, I think it was Krim. And uh, he says, it sounds like someone else said that to you one time, <laughs> which is a pretty, pretty funny reference, I think. So... Mimiru runs into Sukasa again at the warp gate, and she just like sticks her tongue out and, and mocks him this time, which makes him like her more, which is pretty interesting. Like all of the people's attempts to try and like help him out and and be friendly and stuff, uh, he kind of rebuffs all those. But when Mimiru is just like, "Nah, fuck you," he's like, "Huh, this girl's kind of cool, actually." <laughs> <laughs> so he he says, "Can I ask you a question?" and, and he asks her if she's able to log out and she's like uh yeah of course what the fuck are you talking about um and then he just like walks away and so she follows him and, and he tells her that he can't log out and um at, at this point the that bug from before tries to crawl on him again and he like pushes it away so i i interpreted that as like he no longer sees her as a, just a pest but then they start fighting and so he asks her like can you leave me alone so i guess the, the bug was like him pushing the bug away was like he's about to do that to her i don't know but anyway so he says some like fucked up stuff to her and she slaps him 
and he realizes that it, it actually hurts. So he starts crying because, it, like, he basically realizes that he's trapped in the game. And let's see. The next scene, Subaru and Silver Knight are questioning another player about Maka, the, the cat player. And he, like, got traded a, like, suspicious item or something like that. That's about it for that scene. So Tsukasa re-enters the dungeon from the very beginning and uh, remembers op- that opening a treasure chest is what got him stuck in the game. And uh, Maka appears above the chest and Tsukasa tries to ask Maka a question, but they disappear and a tablet emerges from the chest. And when he touches the tablet, he hears uh, like a disembodied voice who turns out to be Morgana, the main antagonist of the show. And um, as he tries to leave the dungeon, he gets trapped by Silver Knight, who attacks him. And this guardian, like, jelly monster, floating jelly monster thing, appears out of nowhere and attacks and kills Silver Knight. And then at the very end, uh, we see the police. In, re- in real life, we see the police at someone's house, which presumably is Tsukasa's. And uh, there's a girl comatose on the floor next to her terminal. So, like, a lot of stuff happened in the first episode. Pretty much sets up everything, I would say. Yeah, and its continuity from first episode down the series is, I think, one of the best things about this show. Like, it really does keep referencing this episode, like, as it goes on, it keeps building on it. You know what I mean? It never feels like you've lost an episode or, like, there's a reset somewhere and like relationships have moved back which i right i don't know as a fact but i've been told happens in a lot of isekai um and stuff like that but like this this seemed to work for me uh overall in retrospect just watching Mm. it was like i didn't know what to expect i think is the problem watching this yeah yeah because there is a little bit more action in the first episode um everything's a little faster paced um so it is a bit different than the rest of the show which is like a bit slower um and uh you know it's more focused i would say right but yeah it, it really does set everything up and um yeah one, one thing they do in this show a lot is uh it, it can be confusing if you're jumping around but they'll uh repeat scenes from earlier episodes but with more of the, what happened added on to it um so like the scene where silver knight attacks Tsukasa and gets killed by his guardian they show that exact scene again in episode like 14 or 15 but with more like you see more of what happened and then same with like the scene at the end of episode 2 uh, when Tsukasa's guardian attacks Mimiru and Bear lunges at him uh, we see that scene uh, like verbatim again in episode 3 but we see what happens after that which is Maka stops it because they are in control of the Guardians. And I like that as a device um, overall. Like, I think that's a really not a bad device to use because it, like, it tells you what you need to know for where you're at, which is nice yeah. um, and only gives you enough. Like, this is a big issue uh, with, I think, just writing in general, not just, like, anime writing, but it's, like, uh, knowing where to, like, start and end a scene and then realizing you don't you can write the whole scene and then split it up between other places if the story makes sense for it. Like, it's right. really elegantly yeah, it's used Naruto. device. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen Naruto, but that was, like, the biggest problem with it, is they would they would repeat stuff ad nauseum, and it was, 
like you, you just start skipping shit constantly if like you're if you're like binging it I like, don't understand why Naruto is so popular. You might be able to illuminate this for me. <laughs> uh, we did an episode on it, and it, like, I love Naruto. It's great. Um, it has, like, a really, like, solid, overarching story. Um, but, I mean, it's not it's not the greatest show ever. Um, but it's just, like, you know, some of the characters you just fall in love with, like, Rock Lee especially. Love okay. Rock Lee. And, um... Yeah, it just has like a lot of there, there's just a lot of good stuff to it. Um, it would take too long to talk about it here, though. <laughs> okay, I recently I recently started using TikTok uh, because I I want my data to be taken um, by <laughs> the Chinese. I I don't post to it, but it's just a good stream of endless content. Um, but like anime TikTok is it seems to be about one thing, and that's Naruto with the occasional One Piece mixed in. Interesting. Very very odd, but understandable, I guess. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not more One Piece because One Piece is still going, and Naruto is in. I think it's just in Boruto now, which I don't think anyone likes really. Okay, One Piece will never end. I'm just gonna yeah. sort of <laughs> leave that there. <laughs> so one thing I'm curious about your take on it: what do you think of like how they portray real life in this show? Because they always use like the film grain and like silent movie type style to it. I don't know if you noticed that as well. Yeah, I did. I I like it. You know, what I mean, like it it does capture this idea of being addicted to like an online video game really well, where you're uh -huh. like, you know, going through life, uh, trudging through life, waiting to like go home and log on, where like you have friends and have like an active social life and like things to mm -hmm. do that are legitimately rewarding. Like one of the reasons I think the feedback loop of something like World of Warcraft feel so good is because you actually feel like you're making progression right yes like it's all and especially world of warcraft um which is all fetch quests that's so metered out like get 10 of this and you'll get this right right um and stuff like that it's like i don't know it captures it even even today like i don't even play a lot of video games uh a lot of mmo well i don't play any mmos but like it's it's articulation of like real life as being like this this thing you just have to do as you go through like your your world and especially yeah, as you and it's find almost out less real like i think that's yeah. kind of what they're doing with the film grain stuff is like it real life is like less real than the video game which i mean of course in this story makes sense because sukasa is stuck in the video game and it is more real um well it's yeah. also the fact that you're just like alienated from your labor and everything else right yes. like that is that is, I think, the the thing this taps into so well is like these are all people who are just extremely alienated by everyone, everything in their day to day lives. So they like invest themselves as like fully formed human beings in in um, the world of the game, right? Yeah, like, like the first time we see yeah. Krim, he's like super happy to be back in the game, and it's like you find out pretty quickly that it's because he was like on a business trip that he like you know he's like a company man but he doesn't give a shit about his work he wants to play the game <laughs> it makes so much sense like this series like it's best thing watching it in 2020 for me is like it really did take me back to like you know when when i was playing uh world of warcraft and stuff like um and I was sort of in the in the world of, of where i think a lot of the characters in the game are when you mm -hmm. know mmos were at their heyday like i was in 
high school working at Bath and Body Works, going to like the world's <laughs> shittiest uh, private school and stuff like that. Like I felt completely trapped by everything and like everyone around me. But it's like in the game, you can just like fucking be whoever you want, right? Um, yeah. Like I, I play D and D, and my character in D and D is uh, the same character I had in World of Warcraft, right? Same name, same personality, all that shit. Um, and it's like it's just such a. a particular kind of escape and such a particular kind of like connection to other people that like I you know like we were just talking about earlier like the internet deliberately disassociates you from and mm-hmm. this it, it captures that spirit so well you know what I mean yeah. like it, it I cannot articulate that enough like that is the strength of the series is it understands what's like to be online um, in this era like almost perfectly <laughs> yeah and um like what you were saying before about how you know games make you feel like you have more of a goal that you're making progress on one of the like shorter sub arcs that happens is uh in episode 10 which is i probably my favorite episode it's all about how bear is like kind of he feels like a failure as a father um because in the beginning he's talking to his real life son through the video game which is an interesting way to do it i guess like kind of maybe symbolizing like how alienated they are from each other and his son just asks him for money to buy a car and uh bear kind of hems and haws and you know he's clearly like divorced from his uh the, the kid's mom and uh doesn't have a good relationship with his son and uh later in the episode uh he tries to build his relationship with Tsukasa who's like becoming kind of his adoptive son and uh he he tries to say like hey uh like do you have like a goal in this game like it's a lot more fun to play the game if you have a goal to work towards and Tsukasa you know and his characteristic uh, personality is just like nah, fuck you you don't understand me blah 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 <laughs> and and walks <laughs> off but then by episode 13, they're starting the search for the key of the twilight, which is like the MacGuffin of the show. And uh, Tsukasa asks, like, hey, if, if I help you guys find the key of the twilight, can I use it first? And uh, Bear's like, oh, wow, you finally have a goal. That's great. <laughs> and it's it's like, you know, I was pretty young when I was playing MMOs, but there are like paternalistic relationships that develop within them. Um, yes, definitely. Which also like has a dark side because like there were definitely people who had like more loving relationships with um, people online than they had with like their own families and stuff. Yeah, which um, is like a big which, part of this yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I again like you know um, even not just Bear, but like um, what's his face, Silver Knight. Yeah. Or Krim, yes, Krim. Like Krim is another one that like he's the one who doesn't who has the offer to adopt um, Sukasa, right? No, that is Bear. That's Bear. That's Bear. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean where he offers to like adopt um, adopt Sukasa and stuff Mm -hmm. like that as the uh, as the show goes on, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Like just to the point where like you know you're unable to conceive of these two worlds being separate and in fact they're yes. like leaking into each other which i mean does happen like people meet in mmos and they get married like years later or whatever yep um but stuff like that you know which it seems again like ahead of where it was at for the time it came out or the person who wrote this the screenwriter was like 
extremely online and somehow found the time to write this. <laughs> like, Yeah, one of the big themes in End of Evangelion was like, you need to stop using this as a, an escape from reality. And uh, this is like recognizing that that escapist kind of tendency doesn't just exist in like reading stories but also in video games like to uh, an even larger degree i think so yeah i think it's pretty uh pretty advanced stuff because this isn't really something that i think people were talking about much in 2002 yeah and it it but i think the greatest part of the show is that it does understand this need to escape like mm -hmm. if not video games it is also like a meta commentary on like how we even escape our lives like you know yeah, irc like less, chat rooms and stuff like that it's not like chiding you like hideyaki Anno was like really scolding people for getting too escapist with anime but this show is like more understanding and sympathetic yeah I think. absolutely and, I mean, what I also really like about it is that it's not, it's not like an indictment of, um, it's not like an indictment of, of any of these people either. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's not yeah. like that, it's not like polemical in the way that, like, Hideaki Anno likes to make his work polemical. Like, it yes. is an extremely thoughtful exploration of these sort of ideas, and especially in the way that these, like, relationships develop, right? Yeah, um, yeah it doesn't, and, it doesn't look down on anyone. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like it's a very empathetic show, whereas, like, mm -hmm. a lot of similar... A lot of similar stories can be uh, sort of the opposite. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, the David Cronenberg movie Existence. I have, um, no. Which is about people trapped in a video game. Very The Matrix, oh, wow. right? Huh. But it's, like, 1998, I think, is when it came out. Oh, okay. Um, and it was also, like, ahead of its time, but it was also, like, very much, like, this is the danger, right? Yeah. Um, which I... I don't really like as an idea and I don't like that because it it sort of sidesteps the underlying conditions that create you know wanting to escape and wanting to like you know log on to a game and just be someone else yeah and there's a lot of stuff in here that like you know has like a lot of symbolism about this kind of thing like so the main the main story of the series is Morgana who's that disembodied voice from the first episode uh, who's like a, an omnipresent AI in the the MMO is um, put in charge by the game's creator of developing Aura, uh, who's this like little girl that's floating above a bed for the, most of the series, into like a full fledged person. So I, I had to get some of this from the wiki, but basically, like Aura is supposed to be like the ultimate AI like completely like self-aware self-directed um like a, a digital person essentially who has her own thoughts and feelings and so the basically the purpose of the world as a game is to have a bunch of people play it and then to kind of like aggregate all of their personalities and experiences into an ai that can be like a full-fledged human being and uh there's actually, like, some really interesting stuff about how this is connected to, like, a radical ecology movement. Uh, but it's not in the scope of the series, so I won't get too into it. Uh, but Interesting. Yeah, it's it's worth uh, reading a bit about on the wiki. So, Morgana, the, the AI in charge of uh, Awakening Aura, 
realizes at some point that once Aura awakens, there will be no point to having Morgana around because she already created the AI and that's her whole thing. So she is trying to prevent Aura from awakening and the for whatever reason, it's not really explained. Uh, the, the thing that will determine whether or not Aura awakens is Tsukasa's development. And so the more desperate Tsukasa is and the, the more depressed Tsukasa is, the less likely Aura is to wake up and the longer Morgana is able to live. So her whole uh, thing, like all of her machinations in the series are pre- trying to prevent Tsukasa from logging off, which is really interesting. Really fun. And also really funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. like... <laughs> the, um, it's like the ultimate the ultimate goal of uh of you know any and it sort of functions you know not intentionally as metaphor but like the ultimate goal of like any reactionary movement is to like have you waste time uh by not locking off right like yes. having you completely divested from from you know material uh place where you can like affect change or something like that yeah and um like my interpretation of of the whole thing is like it gets into uh mcdonald's rule is that what it's called yes uh mcdonald's uh the mcdonald test which mcdonald test yeah for those who who don't know the mcdonald test is on kino lefter um is a theory that uh every film made after a certain era is about um overcoming toxic masculinity with your found family uh, sorry, confronting toxic masculinity with your found family while overcoming childhood trauma, which uh, I would argue hits like 99% of media created in the world. Yeah, and it's supposed to be after the, uh, like, since the financial crisis. But uh, this predates that by quite a long time. But that is really, like, what a lot of the story is. So I guess I'm going to spoil some of the ending for you. But, I mean, I do that on That's every okay. episode of this yeah. fucking show. So uh, so we find it out Tsukasa is, like, she's... Ba- in real life, Tsukasa is a girl. Uh, she has abusive parents. Um, she started playing the world to escape her abusive parents. Uh, so she's basically a runaway child in the, in the game world. And so Morgana becomes her adoptive mother in the game but is also an abusive parent who prevents Tsukasa from logging out which symbolizes going home and she gives Tsukasa a guardian uh, which I think symbolizes like an adoptive father that doesn't hurt Tsukasa like her real father does but does hurt her friends and others around Tsukasa. Meanwhile Bear acts more like, like a model father like a really genuine caring father but also as a way to compensate for his own shortcomings as a father in the wor- in the real world. And um, BT, who is his partner in the game, encourages him to adopt Tsukasa, but only if he's like really serious about it. So she does do a decent job of like separating the real world from the game world. And it's like, you know, Tsukasa is a real person. You have to be like serious if you're going to have like this real relationship with her. Um, so she does this not only because... Tsukasa needs a parent that isn't abusive, but also because Bear needs a second chance at fatherhood that he can get right. And then I think Maka is the biological child of the abusive adoptive parent Morgana, and uh, they are mute because 
They are also abused by Morgana and are too afraid to act out or even speak. And um, yeah, Maka is basically in charge of making sure that Morgana's plans go smoothly and Tsukasa is never able to log out. And then there's another thing with fatherhood with the Harald, what's his last name? Ho something. um, Yes, Harold Horwick, the guy who created the game. Yeah. So the AI version of him uh, who just like repeats the same uh, monologue over and over also talks about failing as a father. So this is like a huge theme in the show. And Aura obviously is supposed to be his daughter, but he left her with what is essentially like an abusive, insane mother who doesn't want her to awaken and like become a a real full-fledged person. So that's, yeah, that's my overall interpretation of the story. And I forget why I started talking about that, but yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is one of the ways in which, like, I think even, like, I gave anime a bad rap for, like, a long time. um, Is because it, in Western animation, or even just Western storytelling, you usually don't see science fiction or fantasy or, you know, something like this, which, uh, you know, it's it's surprisingly grounded for the kind of series it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like its its mechanics and its rules, uh, particularly like separating IRL from the game world, yeah. um, but like you usually you know don't see in Western like circles um, ideas of like cycles of violence right depicted through uh-huh. lenses like these, um, which you know I think the show does really well. I like a lot of what you're describing. I'll be honest, I did not read into my first watch, but like now that you're saying it, I can start sort of parsing it that way which is yeah that really came nice. out of my second watch through yeah like my first watch through is is very much like oh, i like the way these people are friends you know what i mean <laughs> like like i really like the relationships that are developing here because they're really like warm and, and genuinely uh worth watching like the show for um but yeah i, I did not get any of this but now that you're talking about it, i'm like oh, actually that makes a fuck ton of sense so uh there is like a moment I want to mention that illustrates like how fucked up Tsukasa's parents are, which I didn't notice on my first watch through, partly because I didn't fully pay attention to some of it. But uh, in episode 12, it starts with Tsukasa's parents are talking to her doctor about taking her off life support. And they don't say this directly, but like the doctor is basically saying like, what would happen if Tsukasa went off of life support and mentions uh, Nancy Cruzan who is an American woman who was uh, in a permanent vegetative state in the 80s and whose family fought like a long legal battle to remove her feeding tube, which lasted seven years in Nancy Cruzon state. And this is like really fucked up when you consider the span of this series when Tsukasa's in a coma is only six months. So within like three months of Tsukasa going into a coma, her parents are already like, uh, I mean, what if we just kill her? Yeah... I mean, that's that's where I think, like, the show shifted for me a bit uh, uh-huh. in a good way. Because, like, you know, you get the sense from the first episode, but then it just immediately goes there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, it immediately just sort of kicks into gear with this stuff. And you're just like, ah, okay, this is, um, this is really weird. Especially since I watched it out of order according to a priority list. Yeah, my bad. So, <laughs> no, no, it's not a bad thing at all, actually. It was like watching Memento, but anime. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know what I mean? Where I'm just like, how did we get from here to there? Yeah. <laughs> um, was, like, a big thing for me watching it. I'm like, now now I want to see how the gaps are filled in. <laughs> well, I guess it worked out then. 
Yeah, no, it absolutely did. And it's like, I think, like, I don't know, because I watched um, episode one, two, and then skipped ahead a bunch, and then, like, you know, watched, I think, like, uh, 11 to 25. Okay. Um, you know, and stuff like that. And it was, like, one of those things where I'm just like, I, I really want to know how we went from, from there to here. And, like, when you jump in, the character relationships are so formed at that point, like, by the, right. like, 11 mark or whatever. And it's like, oh, this is really, like... And it didn't feel like they weren't people at that point, right? Like, it didn't feel like I jumped ahead and it was, like, it was cheap friendship. Like, I'm like, oh, they're referencing things I haven't seen yet. Like, they're... It it feels very natural. Even the voice acting, like, has improved significantly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, when I I started uh, from, like, watching 1, 2, and 3 again today, Mimiru meets Tsukasa and Bear meets Mimiru for the first time in the first couple episodes, and I was like, oh, wow, they weren't actually friends forever, even though it kind of feels like it by the end of the series. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, no, like, um... When you start bringing in, like, real-world people who have been taken off life support and stuff like that, like, yeah. not the sort of thing... Like, again, I'm not an expert in isekai, but I feel like it carries a very specific set of, like, statements when you describe something as an isekai. Uh-huh. Um, and that was, like, not what I was expecting. <laughs> yes. Uh, in the slightest, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, this is extremely fucking dark and, like, extremely... Like, this is a weird moral quandary to throw into the uh, into the anime show, Right. Yeah, it's kind of like, it kind of is barely isekai, because usually isekai is like, the person starts a totally other life and don't necessarily go back to it. Like, I mean, I guess the earliest series, I I started watching Escaflone a bit, and uh, that one, you know, it's like a totally other world that the main character can't go back to whenever she wants, but there is a clear sense that she will be going back to it at at a certain point, especially because you find out, like, her grandmother or something like that visited the other world before she was born so classic classic but this one is like plot line. yeah yeah <laughs> um but this show is like clearly everyone except for Tsukasa can just log off whenever they want so it's like not as much of an, an other universe as other shows um but it still feels like like its own complete other world and the the rules of the world are pretty well established, I think, in episode one. I actually think that's the major <laughs> goal of episode one, now that I'm thinking about it even more, is, like, it. I don't think it functions as well as, like, a storytelling episode, because it's like, no, we kind of need to establish very quickly what the rules of, of a limitless online world are, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, like, maybe it's to its discredit that doesn't, like, as elegantly flow that in with uh, the plot that, like, genuinely starts merging uh, in episode two, right? Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> but uh, in, in like, totality, the world is super cool. Like, the world is really interesting. There's a million locations, none of which I can remember the names of. <laughs> uh, like, it jumps a ton. Um, but it it has that like slightly desolate feel of like an online video game where it's like, you know, there's people around in a lot of these places. There's, uh, you know, activity happening, but always feels like art direction wise, just slightly too empty. Right. Yeah. You know, like which you, you totally get if you're in like, what's that big world of Warcraft city? Um, God damn it. I can't remember, but like, you know what I'm talking about? There's that big main, um, no, the Horde one is... It, well, the Horde one, too, but I'm thinking of the, the big Citadel city for the Alliance um, that's like a big castle or whatever. I know what you're talking about. I never played Alliance, yeah. so uh, I never oh, okay. got to see it too much. 
but I did okay. see the outside of it, and I saw like a lot of people in there. <laughs> yeah, like Stormwind. it's one of those things. Stormwind, the, yes, yeah, it, and that's kind of it, right? Like when you're walking around Stormwind, it's it's the exact same feeling where there's you know a couple of dozen other player characters, but like the city doesn't feel lived in. It doesn't feel like right. a place where like humans are, right? It's obviously a backdrop for you and your story, and like. That is really where the art direction shines for this. Is it it yeah. captures that so well? It also like it feels like EverQuest, right? In a lot of ways, even down to like you know the fan service armor a lot of the characters are wearing and stuff <laughs> yeah, like that. There's a lot of boob which, plate, <laughs> which is surprisingly not that horny, despite its like uh, its like semiotics. Um, yeah, that's it, something I really yeah. appreciated about this show because almost every other isekai is like wildly horny and just. Too, too much <laughs> okay good to know um because like yeah i have no i have no like reference for major or popular isekai like i did some research before i watched this just to sort of know what it was what i was getting into but yeah, like, like sword you know, art online has a lot of like straight on like crotch shots of women and stuff like that just way too much <laughs> okay yeah it makes sense like I think it's because this one did not have the bounce. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that was uh-huh. that was a big part of it where it's like, you know, the characters were dressed in like MMO armor. Yeah. But they weren't uh, they weren't bouncing all over the place. There wasn't like yeah. gratuitous jumping no upskirt bones. shots. Yeah. <laughs> and also not a lot of violence. Like I'll say that to its yeah. credit as well. Like it's it's meditative nature also like the way the art direction ties into a theme rather than being a place for like epic shit to happen. Yes. Um is super cool, right? Like, I, I only remember... The only memorable fight in the series for me was, like, I think it was episode 24 or 25 when they're fighting the two-ball ring monster, which yep. name I completely forget. Yeah. Just Guardian, I think, is all they call okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, and you, you mentioned, like, all the, the places. I just found, like, a kind of a fun fact about one of the places. And, it, and this kind of shows, like, how much they, like, set everything up ahead of time. Uh, in the show... So in episode 3... Um, Tsukasa learns how to control the Guardian and so he's trying to get Mimirun Bear to meet him because the Guardian just attacked them in the previous episode and the place he chooses to meet them is called uh, Hula Grants Cathedral and uh, it's the name is Old Norse for the cathedral that hides heaven and it turns out later that this is where the Twilight Eye is which forms a bridge to the place where they find that AI herald character like the secret of uh, the game where they start to learn about the key of the twilight. So it's like interesting how how much they connect everything and like how much lore there is like beneath the surface of stuff. I'm sure it's explained like heavily in flavor text on the games and stuff like that. Yes. <laughs> um like I'm sure the games have a ton of it, which is also again like we're talking about it as like a, a serious sort of anime which it, it is, but it's also still really weird to consider the fact that this is advertising for a, a massive PS2 game. Yes. Of which he wrote he wrote four, all the, four PS2 games. <laughs> yeah, this dude wrote all the dot hack movies and games. Yeah. I'm looking at his like IMDB now. Like he also wrote Digital Monster X Evolution, which, you know, the less said about that the better, but um <laughs> like uh, it's completely batshit to me that this guy wrote um Pat Labor uh, Ghost in the Shell, Pat Labor too, the the best one. Um, yes. Ghost in the Shell, that's the one I've and, seen. Yeah, and you know, four hundred thousand pages of dot hack sign dialogue. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. 
in episode 24, one of my favorite moments was uh, Mimiru's talking to Silver Knight. They're, like, sitting down and, like, watching the sunset. And uh, Mimiru's, like, you know, something, something old man, like, calls him old man. And uh, he's like, I'm not an old man, you know. I'm 23. I work part-time at a video rental store. That's all I do, though. <laughs> That's That was a great scene. That was, yeah. uh, honestly, like, uh, especially since he was so reticent to talk about his life before. Yeah, and um, he's kind of a hateable character early on. Well, he's a cop, right? Especially yes. in those, like, early episodes. But, um, you know, there's points earlier before that where, you know, he's afraid of, like, combining or giving hints about his uh, personal life. Uh-huh. Um, and people are asking, and, and they're... I think there's a scene where they're even, like, trying to guess for fun, right? Am I... You might be right. I don't, I don't remember yeah. that specifically, but yeah. Yeah, where they're, like, where they're, like, trying to guess what he does or trying to, like, guess things about him. He's like, nope, not telling you. Yeah. Um... And that's just, like, a really, like, sweet scene. Um, you know, and again, like, very evocative of being on MMO and making friends and stuff like that. Yes. Um, where you just sort of, like, sit, uh, conjure bread as a, you know, level 40-something <laughs> World of Warcraft mage and just <laughs> shoot the shit over, uh, over conjured bread and water, uh, in, like, you know, Dalaran or something. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, just, like, and it's, it's moments like that, I think, where the show, like, shines maybe the best like even more than the overarching plot which is i mean it's cool uh but it's not like the mystery it's kind of hard um, to pick up on from one watch through yeah and also like the mystery of it is not particularly the most interesting like it's a very like singularity plot right which is very overdone in sci-fi yeah. Um, it really is like you know those moments and those characters and also watching uh, Sukasa like grow <laughs> Yes. Which, it, it doesn't feel like it's an arbitrary growth from episode to episode. Yeah, and, I mean, everyone's relationships grow really well. Um, there's a moment in episode 25 that I really liked where, you know, they're going to go fight Morgana, which uh, I think was, they they did a good job building the tension for that because Morgana is, like, an omnipresent being, and so they're just like, I, how the fuck are we going to fight that? <laughs> it's impossible and um so they're like you know heading off to what seems like an impossible quest essentially and um bear's like bear turns to bt and then says like hey are you coming or not and she says that she will hang back and make healing and resurrection potions for everyone and he uh acknowledges her and and goes through the warp gate and uh crim follows right behind and says like wow you've earned his trust enough that he could just move on without hesitation that's great and which is also like very very guilt behavior i'm surprised the one thing i'm sort of disappointed the show did not have by the way is um blue drops yeah you know because like that felt like the one element that was missing was like oh i got a purple ledge and i understand why they did because they mentioned it a little bit yeah but definitely not as much as it would be in, a, in an actual game yeah but because the character silhouettes and the designs are so cool like why would you fuck with it but yeah you know it's stuff like that that i think would have like kicked it up a notch all that said though you know what i mean like it's yeah, nice and that's also part, um where uh mimi ru and tsukasa go on a like they clear a dungeon and uh she's like hey why don't you take this staff like you can have a better staff and he's like no that's okay why don't you just take it and she's like 
because uh, I'm not a fucking wizard. I'm a sword master. I don't need a staff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, you can just take it and sell it. Like, I'm happy with how I am. <laughs> Something no player character has ever done to video game, by the right. way. <laughs> um, you only match the legendary loot to other legendary loot. You don't... Uh... You know, you don't just let someone keep the legendary. No one is that charitable right. online. Yeah. Um, you oh, know, uh, you know one oh. other thing we we haven't really we haven't talked about Sora much at all. Um, Sora is like this really hateable uh, player killer, like Picare. Um, he's constantly like showing up out of nowhere and threatening people, and Weirdly and then also coded. like asking to be friends with them. <laughs> Weirdly coded as gay. Um, a little at least bit. in the yeah. at least in the English dub, he like comes off as like extraordinarily effeminate. That's true, um, yes. Which I in, in the know, Japanese version, I think he is just supposed to be like a weirdo. I don't know if he's supposed okay. to be gay, but I guess I I mean I guess I don't know as much how they would have a stereotypically gay person talk in Japanese. So I might be wrong. No, that's that's very fair. I just remember being like very well. They certainly did the job right because his voice actor uh, was the most annoying voice actor I've ever heard <laughs> yeah. uh, in the English dub. Um, he he sort of confused me a whole bunch. Like I didn't really get why he was there. Uh, like I know he's supposed to be a griefer or of some of like some yeah. kind, right? Yep. But like. You know, that, that episode run from, like, 22 to 25, like, a bunch of it is just him on a bridge. You know what I mean? Like, arguing. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. And it's just, like, I mean, I guess I guess you're okay, but, like, you you are, like, easily the least interesting character in this, in this like, uh, you know, part of the show or whatever. Um, well, so one thing that is really interesting, though, and um, I've... See, I've had multiple different subtitle tracks on um, in this scene, so some of them don't actually translate this part. But um, close to the end, uh, Morgana like data drains Sora, and he falls comatose, like the, his player falls comatose, and the camera pans up, and there's a poster on the wall. And it's a fourth grade class schedule. So Sora's player is only 10 years old in real life. That gives it a dimension. I That is really fucking cool, actually. Yeah. Um, that, like, made me like him more because I was like, oh, damn. It's like, it's just a kid that doesn't know how to make friends. That's Sora. And who also, like, quite doesn't get, doesn't get that you can be online without being annoying right like you don't yes. have to be looked at at every point yeah he's, um, i think he's you know, like trying yeah. to impress people i think that's like what his character is supposed to be he's like a kid that's trying to impress adults because he yeah, is really good at the game but he's good in a way that like everyone hates because it's like dude i'm trying to play this game fuck you like quit killing me what's wrong with you but he's like trying to show you that he's really good at it and it's better than you yeah, now that you mention this, it actually makes uh, it actually makes me like the character a lot more because <laughs> if it was like if it was a more stereotypical kind of griefer, you know what I mean? Like it would have just it would have fallen flat. But this yeah. actually works so well. It's such a like clean way to like talk about like I don't know how old you were when you logged on for the first time, but like I was I don't know, I was like fucking six, seven years old, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I I for a fact was that annoying online, right? <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, I definitely started playing Neopets when I was that young. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I remember going on, like, you know, the Force.net message boards or whatever and shit like <laughs> that, right? Like, I fucking, you know, really, really popular fucking child growing up. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, and, and, and the Matrix Online stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a whole thing. And, like, I, everyone else I know around that age was equally as annoying, right? Like, all they yep. consumed was, uh, message boards, uh, free-to-play online video games like Neopets, um, and shock sites, you know, and stuff like that, right. uh, between the ages of, like, 6 and 12. Um, so it's, like, one of those things where it's, yeah, I, I get it. That makes a whole lot more sense. That is a weirdly brave choice for a show like this as well. Yes. Prophetic, actually. Because, like, kids these days don't log on like that, right? That's another thing. Um, like, there's kid gates on everything you know there's children's netflix like they're consuming fucking paw patrol um like you know instead of uh going on to websites they should not be on doing things they should not be doing online right yeah playing fortnite yeah 100 percent. playing fortnite learning how to call people the n-word rather than (laughs) you know go on to like watching faces of death when you're eight years old or something like that yeah going on something awful and not knowing what's going on <laughs> yeah yeah just like uh, someone posts a link to like an isis beheading video and you <laughs> click on it and you have no reaction to it because you're four years old you know in fourth grade and you're a psychopath right <laughs> <sighs> yeah that was the whole thing so i guess we also haven't really mentioned subaru much even though she's like a pretty central character i guess like she's i think maybe one of the flatter characters personality wise i mean just a little joke there (laughs) (laughs) but uh she's like probably closest to tsukasa she is the one who like develops a romantic relationship with tsukasa uh in real life that's like the last moment of the main series is them finally meeting each other in the real world which is a really sweet moment tsukasa says tadaima i'm home and subaru replies oh i said replaces uh, replace uh, replies Okaidi, uh welcome home so it's like they are finally joining the real world you know going home to the real world we also find out in one of the last episodes that I think from Krim that uh, Subaru is disabled she's in a wheelchair and so the reason that she started playing the game is so that she could walk around mm. which is a really interesting character detail uh, something I was thinking about when I was playing Satisfactory yesterday, since I'm having trouble, a little trouble walking in real life, <laughs> and I was walking around smoothly there, and I was like, wow, I almost forget that I can't walk in real life now. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, actually, I I get that. I mean, I as a larger person, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh-huh. playing games like NBA <laughs> 2K, which I play a ton <laughs> yeah. of, you know what I mean? Just like, man, I wish I dedicated this much time to just learning how to do a real-life layup, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, or like, you know, even Yakuza, where like, you know, your character sprints, but in true janky um, Yakuza game fashion, like, he gets winded and then doubles over on his knees. <laughs> nice. Um, you know, yeah, it's like one of those things from like, man, he can sprint so much longer than I can before he has to do this. You know what I mean? Like walking up the stairs, I'm like, God damn, I'm out of shape. Um, yeah. But yeah, like that that detail about Subaru, which I didn't get to the end of the series, so I still, you know, I did not know, um, <clears throat> is uh, also really interesting. I get it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, video games are a level of escape. 
Um, and, like, there's the empty escape of, like, I don't know if you've ever played, like, Flight Simulator Online, like, people who take flight simming really seriously uh, when they're playing with others and stuff this like that. This is the type of person I have not uh, found out about yet. <laughs> okay, I, I'll find the video and send it to you. Someone uh, on Reddit recently, that Chris's website, um, posted, like, a, a, a video of him griefing uh, flight sim cosplayers, like people okay. running control towers and stuff. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, because they're just asking for his for his call sign, they're asking for his landing ID, they're telling him where to circle, <laughs> and he's just... Okay, so last time right I played a flight ground. simulator was like Microsoft Flight Simulator from like 2004. So Hell yeah. So they now have... You can be like an air traffic controller in a flight sim? Yeah, allegedly. Wow. I never um, even thought about that. <laughs> Which honestly sounds really cool, because, I don't know, it's the same reason people play fucking farming sim or whatever, right? But then there yeah. there are people who, like, you know, I know a lot of people with, um, with, like, autism and stuff who play MMOs because it's, like, an easier way to connect with people, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, like, people who feel uncomfortable about social cues and, you know, having to deal with, like, the real world consequences of knowing others um, because of, like, you know, because of the way they are like it it creates like an avenue to build meaningful relationships and stuff like that which is you know important and like i i like that they put that in there i think with that detail that you told me like the show might almost verge on like trauma porn but i don't know well i i would say that it doesn't just because they mention it like so much in passing like and it's not until like episode 25 Right. Or 24. So it's like, you don't know about that the whole time. And then Krim uh, just mentions it in one scene. And he even says, like, she never told me. that She never, like, volunteered this information. She uh, was sick one time and couldn't make it to a meeting that we planned. And um, I had to keep asking her, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Until she finally said, like, uh, I can't really walk. I'm in a wheelchair. Um, How the fuck did I miss this? You might not have gotten to it yet. It might be in episode 25 or 26. Um, Okay. Because, like, I I watched a 25 and I'm like, wait, I should should remember this. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, and then then you, uh, I mean, you see her in real life in, like, the very last scene of the series. Uh, So you see that she's in a wheelchair. But other than that, it's never mentioned. Um, So, yeah, I I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's doing the trauma porn thing. Maybe with Sukasa's story, but... um, but I, mean, I think there's Sukasa like a, uh, can get away with it because she's the main yeah. character. Yeah, there's a good reason for it. Before, uh, like, do we want to talk about the review, which I'm very intrigued in? Yeah. Um, where did you find this review? <laughs> so uh, I get all of my reviews pretty much from my anime list. So this one is from my anime list. It is by Kanye West. That is the person's name that they actually use on the website. Okay, but it's not it's not the Kanye West. No, no, unfortunately. Okay, because I, I wouldn't because I don't know if you've read Kanye West's uh, review of Akira, but like, well, maybe it's a weeb. Then. I don't know. I it I'm I'm sure it isn't. I'm sure it isn't. But like, <laughs> Kanye is an out and out fucking weeb. Like getting uh getting Murakami to design his album covers is giving him a TV show now and stuff like that. Like, damn man loves anime, right? So for a second when I read this, I'm like. Oh, is this the Kanye, like, presidential candidate 2020 Kanye West? <laughs> like, uh, the the ultimate accelerationist candidate. I will be uh, voting. I will be, you know, doing voter fraud to vote for Kanye. <laughs> so let's just treat this as if it is really Kanye West. 
it'll make it a little more fun, I think. So uh, Kanye rated it a five. Out of so ten? Not, not great. Out of ten. Yep. Not, okay. not great. Not awful. Even though they start off the review with, okay, well, this anime is kind of awful. Uh, I love which... that. I love the way IGN has ruined our ability to rate things because anything below a seven is just immediately bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, people give... People give like Pitchfork a lot of shit for for having these like very esoteric review scores, but at least they treat a zero like a zero and a ten like a legitimate you know all time masterpiece. Yes. Um, and usually give everything like to them a six is a good score, right? Right. Um, and like for some reason that's been well, Pitchfork is pretentious, but their like scoring system is not. In fact, it's the opposite of pretentious. Yeah, like I think a five is a good score. If if something gets a five, it's like oh, it wasn't like. You know, it's entertaining. It wasn't yeah, like you, art, but it's entertaining. Yeah, you watch it once, you like it, and then don't come back to it again. Like, it's one of those, right? right? Yeah. Um, okay, so they say this anime is awful, even though they rated it a five. And so they said, chronologically, this isn't even the first in the dot hack timeline, because Bandai keeps tacking shit onto this franchise, which they planned. Anyway, it's basically about what would happen if Shinji Ikari played video games. So... This is a, a trope that I found in these weeb reviews. Anytime a character is sad and male, they're Shinji Ikari. They must be a Hideaki Anno character, but worse. Yes. Because, yeah. again, so if, like... If someone's depressed, they're doing... I made a tweet about this, but it's like they're a cheap ripoff of Shinji Ikari. <laughs> it's like Libs comparing everything to Harry Potter. You know, it's the yeah. exact same energy where it's like you've... You've watched one anime, and that is the benchmark. Like, I'm begging you, please watch another anime. You know what I mean? Please yeah. refer to anything but uh, Eva, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's actually the reason that I did not want to watch Evangelion for the longest time. I love it now, but, like, the fans really turned me off of it. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Netflix Netflix putting it out really changed the online conversation around Eva, I think, yeah. because it's no longer this, like, special sort of bootleg thing that you know you and a select other class of people know now it's yeah, democratized it's i'm sure yeah i'm sure the weebs hate that too but <laughs> yes okay so tsukasa the main character wakes up in the world the first virtual reality memorpica since some super virus stomped all over the internet uh which that is in the deep lore that you don't find out in the show i'm pretty sure he can't remember how he got there or who he is, and soon discovers that he can't even log out of the damn game. After running into some douchebags who want to jump his ass for supposedly hacking, he acquires some wacky-ass jello bullshit that flies around and kicks people's asses for him. From there, Tsukasa and his friends attempt to figure out the reason as to why he can't log out and end up unraveling the dark secrets about what the world really is. Sound cool? I thought so too. As it turns out, B-Train pulled a fast one and replaced all the cool aspects of playing a Memorpica, like, in parentheses, like bitchin'-ass spells, gun blades, implying other players' parents are really the same gender, etc. There we go, there we go, there's the mask-off moment. Um, you know, the most, like, there's so many reactionary subgenres of people, but, like, weebs specifically are enigmatically reactionary, um, yeah. especially in regards to their relationship to, like, gender and sex politics right like it's just yes. absolutely batshit and like you can't even blame japan for this one it's it's a hundred percent this like weird confluence of just like capitalism and social conditioning that's brought like brought that the worst of is brought out by i don't know fan service or something and it's gonna get worse in a little bit 
Um, oh hell so yeah! So cool aspects of playing uh, a Memorpica with uh, with half-assed attempts at exploring the concepts of escapism, really half-assed as we just talked about. Yeah, and how interpersonal relationships affect us as humans. Now, I consider myself a sophisticated member of society. Uh, you you, sh- you should not, <laughs> milady. <laughs> I have no problem with slow-paced, character-driven shows, but if I'm going to be watching a show that's 85% dialogue, I'm expecting a lot more in terms of plot and character development than what I was given. I want to sit this person down and make them watch the fucking Sopranos or something and see what they say. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because as a comment here, I put, uh, when they said, I have no problem with slow-paced, character-driven shows, I said, it seems like you do and are a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> God, here's the really bad part. They even managed to fuck up the lesbian undertones by making one of them a cripple. Come on, B-Train. Cripple porn? I never thought you'd sink that low. I mean... I consider uh, myself a sophisticated member of society. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I also love the sense of entitlement that that mega fans have of things. You know what I mean? Like, I... Yes. I love that aspect of it. Like, B-Train is reading this My Anime List review and they're like, damn, we really fucked this up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's just like incredible you know i we've talked about this on uh one of the last times i was here right but like you know i go back to that roger ebert quote about fans yeah you know where a lot of fans are basically fans of fandom itself um right you know like their objects of veneration are useful mainly as a backdrop to their own devotion anyone who would camp out in a tent on the sidewalk for weeks in order to be the first in line for a movie is more into camping on the sidewalk than movies Extreme fandom may serve as a security blanket for the social for uh, the socially inept to use as a substitute for social skills. Uh, if you are Luke Skywalker and she is Princess Leia, you already know what to say to each other, which is so much safer than having to ad lib it. Your fanish obsession is your beard. If you know absolutely all the trivia about your cubbyhole of pop culture, it saves you from having to know anything about anything else. That's why it's excruciatingly boring to talk to such people. They're always asking questions they know the answer to. Right. Which is, like, again, like, very specifically articulated by reviews like this, right? Where it's like, he doesn't, he's just being provocative because he wants to show he's good at anime, right? Like, it's not even, like, a real thoughtful indictment of the show. Right. Yeah, this doesn't get thoughtful at any point. (laughs) Um, I mean, it it does explain the 2015 masterpiece Isis, though. I mean, like, this is really a a good intro to, to Kanye West's discography. Yeah, and and that that quote also made me think of uh, Galaxy Quest, uh, yes. the the part at the beginning when they're at the convention and they're asking all these dumbass questions about the show. Yeah, um, which I mean, I guess Ebert was probably referring to Trekkies with that quote, right? He he specifically singles out Star Wars and Star Trek yeah. fans. Yeah. All right, so back to the review. The art is fantastic. Beautifully painted backgrounds, imaginative character designs. Although that's to be expected, considering they were doing, done by Yoshiyuki Sadamoto, which, just like you said, they're just trying to show off how good they are at anime. And for the most part, top-notch animation come together to make the anime really stand out. Plot aside, if you dig, if you really dig artsy shit, you'll be able to appreciate the detail that went into the show. I consider myself I love... a sophisticated member of society. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love this because, like, it's... <sighs> this is one of the things, right? Like, it's like... At this point, you're not even showing you're smart at things because, like, you would know who Yoshiyuko uh, Sadamoto is. Uh Um, 
like just by googling it, right? Like you're yes. not even betraying like a knowledge of themes or art or like demonstrating an actual passion of how you made this, right? It's not like it's an intelligent analysis like you're claiming to do of, of any part of this show. It's just like I know this person's name, right? Uh, yeah, and it's like no, of uh, course, yes. of course, uh, not. Yoshi- yeah. Yoshiyuki Sadamoto. He did uh, Final Stretch in 1981, Lonely Lonesome Night in 1981, Crazy Rider in 1981, <laughs> Daikon Four, <laughs> Royal Space Force. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's like one of those things where it's just like, dude, you're not like this isn't this isn't a marker of like knowing things anymore, right? Is to just know the name. Like right. I go back to like the keynote episode we recorded on Hamilton, where we were talking about like you know the sort of immigrant rhetoric in it uh-huh. and jeremy from balling out super made like a fantastically great like esoteric joke about the triangle shirtwaist fire uh-huh. uh, which is probably the ballsiest joke in any podcast episode i think we've ever recorded. i'm really excited to listen to it <laughs> it's fantastic but it's just like that was like a and, and i love jeremy i love balling out super and it's such a good example of like actual knowledge of something versus just being able to do referential knowledge because it's yes. like looping the joke around onto something where like you have to make the connection and it's not just being like hey i know this thing right right which makes it like yeah it's very hard like as someone who also consumes like a lot of like books and information just like useless knowledge it's something like you know like i personally have to be aware of a lot uh when i'm like uh you know talking about things just be like are you bringing up a name for the sake of bringing up a name or are you bringing up a name because you're trying to speak to a larger point about something right um, so they say the sound is great. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit just so we can get it all in. As for the characters, they start off as your typical bunch of anime cliches, which this is another thing Una and I were talking about. Weebs will say that anything they've seen before is a cliche and, and that makes it bad. So typical bunch of anime cliches, but then the metric fuck ton of dialogue hits. I love that phrase, metric fuck ton. Um, it and is a char- great phrase. It is evergreen. <laughs> and character development starts to make its way through. So they were complaining that there's not enough character development. Now they're like, oh, yeah, there's all this character development happening now. Tsukasa starts off as a stoic jerkass who develops into Shinji Ikari part duh. Uh, so um, I love the French. I love that's how you know. That's how you know someone is is cultured when they refer to part two as part de. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> And, uh, I'm a sophisticated member of society. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I also commented, being sad equals Shinji Ikari, part duh. <laughs> um, so Mimiru is the happy-go-lucky, only sane one. Uh, in parentheses, considering the, especially considering the dysfunction junction that is the rest of the cast. They're definitely most responsive to Mimiru because Mimiru is just objectively the most fanservice-y character. Yes. Who plays the game for fun? So Mimi replaced the game for fun. Bear is the cool old guy slash big damn hero slash shepherd. I don't know who that's in reference to. Maybe uh, from uh, Mass Effect? I don't know. BT is the condescending information broker. Parentheses. Who hates lettuce? Remember that. I don't remember that. That's a weird reference to make. This- How dare characters have like minor complications that round them out as people? Yeah, like quirks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Silver Knight is the cliche shonen hero. Which, I have no idea what they're talking about there. Silver Knight is nothing like a shonen hero. I don't know what they're what they're trying to say. This is where you just use words. This is where yeah. you just use words to sound smart, right? They're like, really it's a very classic trying hard thing. to say like the reason that I dislike this is because it's bad. I think that's what it is. So he's the cliche shonen hero that fights for justice. All, In caps. all caps. Yeah. 
who, through character development, <laughs> stops being so bombastic and douchey and starts being a, mo- a more approachable big damn hero. And by the way, this is all one big run-on sentence. So he's, he's like five sentences in this this, my man's does not know clauses. He yeah. <laughs> he is not aware of paragraph. This is a he poor forgot where example. his period key is. <laughs> yeah, uh, like you know, for for Christmas, let's get him the fucking um, you know editorial style guide or something like that. <laughs> Subaru is the shrinking violet slash woman in charge with a twist. Classic cliche. Krim is the ridiculously over the top large ham with unrealistic hair and an unnervingly large sense of honor, which is an archetype and sort of cliche but Krim's a good character I liked him yeah Helva is the hacker cliche you know hackers in a video game come on we've heard that so many times before hackers around yeah. computers <laughs> you know those those hackers can't stop hacking what a what a fucking cliche yeah yeah Sora is the lovable jerk ass lovable jerk ass who assaults women in games so this i think gives a little window to their personality they think sora is lovable yeah just you know um again just someone who who perceives these people as like oh i'm supposed to like this person right it's like right. no they're coded as the most annoying fucking character this entire series yeah yeah if you couldn't tell yourself just listen to all the other characters in the show <laughs> So uh, most of them seem to take more pleasure in standing around talking to each other about their real lives than in actually playing the game, though. I guess that's the point. Yes. Um, Yes, it is. Seeing as the anime is all about interpersonal relationships, but it certainly does bog down the dialogue with a lot of useless information. Uh, And I said it's not useless, dumb dumb. Interpersonal relationships, yeah, like it's about interpersonal relationships, but they're useless information. It's like that's the character development you are complaining about not being there. (laughs) Yeah, it's see stuff like this just makes me depressed because it's like i want to know everything about this person now you know what i mean like i want to i i do this thing where like i go down a rabbit hole like i saw i saw someone online posted this guy uh this guy's thing on facebook that was like i've been raw dogging strippers since i was 20 years old i'm not scared of covid wow and like people people were sharing it around because this guy had died of covid right <laughs> and oh, like God. It's it's ridiculous and it's like like darkly hilarious. That's a final statement. I don't think it's worth like laughing at this dude about. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then I go down this rabbit hole of just like because it's obviously one of those people who just never set his Facebook to private. Oh, like, I see. Uh-huh. L- looking at his entire private life, like what he does for a job. He was like an entertainer at like a a cabaret club in Florida or whatever. Um, like his big overweight Hispanic dude um, and just like you know finding out everything about this dead person's life because I don't know it's like a compulsion I have it and, does sound super interesting yeah it, and it is right because like you see people share these around a lot where like someone who died of COVID's last Facebook post was like I'm not scared of COVID and then mm-hmm. the comments are you know either people laughing at them or like friends and family being sad that they've passed away right right um and it's like and, and on like the minion death cult facebook group too like they post a lot of screenshots of like boomers and chuds you know being racist and stuff like that it's like so interesting to go into their private lives and just like see what they do and what they are this is the exact kind of person that would like send me down a three-hour rabbit hole of like figuring out what their high school was like i'm giving so much about myself away here holy shit but like you know figuring out like what their high school life was like where they're yeah. online and like what what led them to be this person <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like a legitimately fascinating character study yes 
Um, all right. So the the last little bit, they they just couldn't they couldn't leave it off at a high point here with the uh, useless information that they give about the characters. So they said, and implications about lesbian cripples. Ugh. Overall, if you like boring shit, you'll love dot hack sign. Um, and, and and so speaking of going down rabbit holes, I always like to click through to the people's other reviews when I read one of these terrible reviews. And um, they only had like three total. Uh, one of them was Evangelion, and they gave it a 10 out of 10, uh, not because of anything that it said, like because it was a nice, like a good work of art or anything like that, but uh, just because it had epic badass me- mech fights. So that's that's the type of shit that they're into. You love to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I looked through some the of the other one? ones too, and it was all like a lot of them started off with. As a former hardcore gamer, I had hard, high expectations of this series, which I thought was pretty funny too. I'm sure they're writing very kind things about The Last of Us Two online right now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but yeah, no. Overall, you know, I will say, Dot Hack Sign worth watching. I'm probably going to finish the series today or tomorrow. Yeah, definitely, and and again, definitely deserves to occupy our collective conscious about the video game stuck in a video game uh isekai anime over sword art online which i'm not even going to do an episode about fuck that show (laughs) so i think that wraps it up for this do you have anything that you want to plug abdul uh yeah i'll just very quickly plug myself on twitter at socialist raptor uh you can find my writing at abdulwymalik.com i promise it's better analysis than this and sometime this week i will write about the last of us part two because I can't get out of my brain since I finished it. <clears throat> and uh, you can follow my podcast. The more important thing, to be honest, uh, Kino Lefter, we're a socialist film podcast, at Kino Lefter on Twitter or Kino Lefter on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we just had a great crossover with um, Jeremy from Ballin' Out Super and Bryn from BP Bledis and their podcast, Gen Loss, as well as like recent episodes with like, Will Menneker from Chapo um, and a couple of other really awesome guests. So, yeah, no, um, thanks so much, Ryan, for having me on. I'm excited to eventually come on again and talk something else because uh, I love oh, talking yeah. anime. So, yeah. yeah, take it easy. Thanks a lot for coming on. And uh, I just want to say, uh, in reference to Kino Lefter, I am on your side on the uh, Abolish Firefighters uh, argument. Okay, bye. Thank you so much. <laughs> bye. <laughs>